0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of
1: Mind Pump, uh, we wanted to talk all about nutrition uh, in regards to fat loss, muscle building, nutrition for performance and athletes. And so we brought on our good friend, Jason Phillips. He's actually... One of our favorite people to talk about uh, when it comes to nutrition and macros. He's the founder of the Nutritional Coaching Institute. This dude really knows his stuff. His certification course is one of the best for online uh, fitness coaches that we found ever. Um, and this guy communicates it very, very well. He knows because of his experience working with lots of people. Now, uh, as when he was younger, he himself suffered from body image issues like anorexia recovered. Um, and then really, that drove him to really learn how to apply nutrition the right way. And he personally has worked with uh, big-time athletes, UFC fighters, WWE wrestlers, fitness celebrities, and a lot of everyday people. And of course, I told you, he uh, is the founder of NCI. They are what we consider to be one of the premier online nutrition court coaching courses that you can find anywhere. Um, now, uh, in this episode, we talked about uh, a few different things. We talked about refeeding, you know what that means. Yo-yo dieting, uh, fat hyperplasia. This is when you actually add fat cells. We talked about the value and uh, the the bad side of cheap meals. Talked about training fighters, uh, fat versus carbs. You know, two main ways people like to diet: either lowering fat or lowering carbs. We talk about the pluses and minuses there. Talk about protein. Uh, when is it? Appropriate to lower protein? Is high protein always a good thing? Uh, Ideal carb sources, we talk about that. We mentioned even ideal protein sources. So we think you're going to love this episode. Now, I also want to let you know that March 21st of this year, Mind Pump Headquarters will be hosting a level one nutrition coaching specialist certification from NCI. So it's going to be here um, in our headquarters. And You're going to love this. Uh, So before we started the episode, we were talking to Jason, and we convinced him to give us a phenomenal discounted hookup for Mind Pump listeners only. Um, And we went back and forth, and I think we might have pushed him a little bit, but uh, we got what we wanted. So check this out. If you go to ncimindpump.com, you're going to get a full 70% off all of the certifications, some massive, massive discount. Again, if you're a fitness trainer, a coach, especially if you work with people online, we find this certification to be one of the most valuable ones you can get for nutrition. Now, before the episode starts, uh, I also want to let you know that MAPS HIT is 50% off. Now, HIT stands for High Intensity Interval Training. That's H-I-I-T. Now, this style of training has had a lot of press, in the last 10 years because studies show hit style training to burn more body fat in shorter periods of time so they'll have studies that'll compare like a 20 minute hit session to a 60 minute traditional workout session and the hit workout will burn as much or more body fat so it's pretty crazy got popular really really fast now unfortunately when things get popular in the fitness space you start to get a lot of bad information as well so there's a lot of hit workouts out there that are terrible Terribly written, programmed. High risks of injury. Uh, the workouts aren't programmed with you know trying to preserve muscle as one of the number one goals. So we set out to create a HIIT program that was done the right way. We wrote Maps HIIT. So this is a phenomenal workout. It utilizes the concept of high intensity interval training, but it's done the right way. We've included three levels in this program, so you can be a beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Uh, of course, every exercise is shown on video. We tell you how to do it the right way. We pro- we write everything out in a blueprint for you. So you get everything that you need to follow the most effective HIIT style workout you'll find anywhere for maximum fat loss in the shortest period of time. And that program's 50% off. Here's how you get the discount go to mapshit.com. So that's M A P S H I I T.com and use the code HIT50. That's H I I T 50. No space for the discount. What do you want to talk about? Well, I was thinking we covered that topic up there, how yeah. to lose, how to, how to lose fat and build muscle. I think uh, most of the questions we get surrounding nutrition are around those two things right there. And maybe we can kind of break down how somebody can figure this out for themselves. You know, everything from macros, calories, and programming, programming, you know, low carb versus low fat, you know, what, what are the, 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 uh, differences between the two, that kind of stuff. Would you
2: say this is one of the number one things you get asked or what? I definitely think so. I mean, I think it's, uh, fat loss is, I think it's a multi-billion dollar industry for a reason, yeah. right? I mean, there's, I mean, when you look at the stats, um, I, I actually had them on like a webinar I did recently. It was like a $6 billion, uh, or the, there's like 6 billion overweight people mm-hmm. in the world. And then there's like, a, like some several million um, that are classified as obese. So, I mean, like when we look at stats in the country, it's fucking Yeah, absurd. in the,
1: in the U- U.S., I think um, we've already hit a majority overweight and 40% obese. So, yeah. you're looking at almost half of the whole country is considered obese. Yeah, I
3: share that graph that by 2030, they predict that if we stay on the same trend, that over 50% will be considered obese. Yeah.
1: Now, first thing I'd like to maybe uh, tackle with this, Jason, is the whole, you know, changing you know going losing fat and building muscle at the same time Mm, right this is like the super goal like the ultimate goal right um how possible is this what does this look like what is a diet that does this how many people do you
4: know that have
2: have done this so i mean i uh, before so i know we're gonna get flamed right and and there's gonna be all the (laughs) there's gonna be all the marketers in the world that are gonna come to me and they're gonna be like jason's wrong but um you know if you can show me peer-reviewed studies that i'm wrong I'll, i'll gladly admit that i am but you know just simple science to lose weight or to lose body fat, you need to be in a calorie deficit to, to gain lean tissue. You need to be in a calorie surplus. I mean, I mean, physiology hasn't changed. Um, the only exception that I, I really ever see to the rule is a really low training age. Um, or, and I'll even tack onto that, like a completely like off the wall training stimulus. So like a low training age in a new stimulus. So, um, like somebody that is an experienced bodybuilder or they've done like hypertrophy style or, you know, global gym style training for, for quite some time, right? And all of a sudden they go to CrossFit. Like the volume completely changes, like the the metabolic stimulus changes. Like I've actually seen some recomp there.
3: Well, they're getting the same benefits that we talk about a lot on the show. And the the debate or the argument that I'd have with you is that where I think you're alluding to right now is kind of that, 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 those beginner lucky results yeah. that everybody kinda gets. The like newbie gains exactly, the newbie yeah. gains. You could be if you come in, you've never really weight trained before in your life and you come in the gym and you and your goal too is fat loss. So you're so let's say your main goal, I want to lose thirty pounds of fat, but your your you know method of doing so, you you've listened to mind pump, you know that building muscle or lifting weights is the most ideal way. So you start lifting weights. Uh, what happens a lot of times, even in a caloric deficit, is because this person's never touched any weights, they also build a little bit of muscle I, along the I way. Think I think
1: ha- you have to have a really, really loud muscle-building signal and a very, very responsive adaptation process at the same time. And so that usually happens with beginners uh, with a lot of novelty, right? So new new stimulus and or hormonal stimulus like uh, anabolic steroids, Otherwise, it's really hard because building muscle is hard to begin with. Try building muscle uh, while eating low enough calories to also lose body fat. It's just, it seems to be kind of competing.
2: So I don't, I don't want to use the word like optimized, but like it, like what you just described, I also think comes back to, um, I would say like for a client, having them at like a homeostatic balance or, or having them at homeostasis, right? And I think that uh when we look at this when we look at fat loss and we look at muscle building in general so many people are already doing it from a compromised state right like think of all the different things they've tried like all on and all the potential metabolic adaptations from the things that they've tried. So they they've tried keto, they've tried carnivore, they've tried fasting. And and they've gone like extreme calorie deficit, extreme calorie deficit, extreme calorie deficit. And now um you know, even if they got on like an appropriate macro plan, they're so metabolically adapted like they're not going to adapt the same way as somebody who has tried nothing, who has no hormonal issues, has no uh, internal physiological issues, right? They're they're working closer from homeostatic balance. And therefore the results are going to happen happen faster. But, you know, to to your point, Sal, like I used to get, I was so hated on in the CrossFit world in the beginning um, before I got loved by the CrossFit world, right? <laughs> but I was I was one of the ones that came in in the beginning and I said, fuck paleo. And I was like, this is ridiculous that you guys think paleo is actually going to work long-term in this extreme setting. Or it's ideal, right? Yeah. it's Just because it works for some people it doesn't well, necessarily mean- but it didn't work. And yeah. that's the, like, so what Sal's saying is, is 100% true. Like people were seeing results- despite what they were doing, not because of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so like you said, when you go in the CrossFit gym and the first time I went to a CrossFit gym, I had never barbell snatched. I had never clean and jerked, right? I'd never front squatted. Like I didn't even have the fucking mobility to get in a front rack. And so sure, like, Perfect. you know, two and a half, three months in, I can front squat 400 pounds. Cause I could back squat 500 at that time. Right? So like ratio wise, it worked out. I could all of a sudden power clean, AKA reverse curl, you know, 255. (laughs) I could somehow heave 150 pounds over my head and try to, you know, overhead squat it. And those weren't because of anything I was doing nutrition wise or recovery wise or performance wise. That's just exposure to the movements. So when I used to give seminars, I would say you could achieve the same results in your first eight to nine months of CrossFit on paleo, on fasting, on keto, on high carb, on low carb, but I would also go so far as to say you could achieve the same results on 500 calories or 5,000 calories. And, and I always reference that as a neurological adaptation phase. You're just creating neurological adaptations. You're learning the movements, right? You're, it's all brain. It's all connection in your brain. But at some point, you have to begin physically adapting. And when you start physically adapting, you require fuel and recovery. Like you have to have the proper fuel substrates for the stimulus that you're providing to your body.
1: Well, when you're trying to add tissue, that requires uh, a certain amount of energy. Absolutely. Now, I'll argue that neurological adaptations also require energy, but not nearly exactly. to the same extent. Yeah. Not yeah. Nearly I don't the same think extent. you could
2: go in with zero calories, but I, I think that your average, on, I mean, we live in an obese world, right. Right? It's an your average analogy, detrained I person, I, I really, like I, I see people that don't eat until dinner and they're like, I'm fucking PRing everything. And, and they would be like, it, it's gotta be paleo. Well, no, actually you started eating whole foods, like you have less inflammation and you have exposure to new movements. Yeah.
1: You just started working out. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So let's say someone says, I want to build muscle and burn body fat. And you're saying, look, under most circumstances, in most situations, probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen at the same time. What should they focus on first? If I want to lose fat and build muscle, which one should I aim for first?
2: So I'm a, I'm a big believer in like your body's most efficient in like the 8% to 12% body fat range. Right. So if you're, if you're coming to me and you're shredded and you're 6%, right. Hey, mm-hmm. I hope you don't want to lose fat, but listen, like anyone that heard our first podcast, I started as anorexic, so I get it. Um, you know, but like your average person that's coming to you, if if they're in that like eight to 12% and they're actually like. Tracking macros, I'd say, hey, like, assuming you don't want to look a certain way on a beach or, or you don't have any physical things coming up, cool, like, we could jump into that. Um, most people are going to be outside of that scope. They're going to be in the 13, 14, 15, probably 20% and higher. I'm going to advise that you actually get healthy uh, and get your body fat under control and, you know, carrying around excess body fat, there's a host of health issues coming with that right? Um, I mean, increased inflammation. Then we start looking at the quality of your sleep. Then we look at gut health and, and then we just start going down the rabbit hole of all the things that that's causing in the body. So now I know what that looks like
3: for me. I'm curious to what, how you do it. So I'll share how I would do that. Cause I agree. It's like the First week, I'm having them track all their foods, yep. and I can see what it looks like. And so, and I actually don't reduce calories, right? right. I, yeah, I think I, a lot of people I, think you have you're, to be
2: careful and not to right, in fact.
3: especially when you start getting rid of shitty food that's yes. that's super calorie dense. Like now, I want to make sure I replace it with a food that is, you know, uh, also nutritious. But then I know that that's probably going to be a lot less calories too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my goal is actually to kind of keep them the same. Uh, calorically, and just start to make healthier, better choices. It's going to serve their body more healthy.
2: I, I think we have to look at it too from a so. One of the things we were talking about off the air before we started is I. I always live inside of nutritional periodization. Like that's my big thing, and I think ninety nine point nine percent of people that come to me want to lose fat first, but a lot of people have done such extreme things that they've almost. Uh, I don't want to say this in like the wrong way, but I want to say in a way that it comes across. They've they've almost lost the right to lose fat. Mm. Um, they've become so metabolically adapted. They their mental issues with food, like their relationship with food, the way that they handle dieting, the process in general. If I allow them to undertake those things, I'm only going to do them more harm than good. Now, you know, Sal, to go to your point, we could look at the physique and we could say, hey, maybe it is proper for them to lose fat first and then gain muscle. But if I if I get to know the person and I see where this is going and I know I'm setting them up for disaster, I can't ethically as a coach do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I talk in the certifications, I talk that my my results with a client are defined 10 years from now, not 10 weeks from now. Mm. And if I didn't give you the tools to be successful for the next decade, I failed you as a coach. And so really like the the legacy and in, in everything of Jason Phillips will be written 10 years from now. It won't be written in 10 weeks or, or 10 months, right? It's going to be written in 10 years. Did I have the impact on the industry that I want to have? And did I have the impact on the 10,000 people that I've helped? Did I really actually help them? Or did I give them a Band-Aid like the rest of the assholes in the industry?
4: What are, what are some of those questions that you're going to ask that, that client coming in first in terms of like being able to evaluate what needs to be addressed and finding that homeostasis and sure. like where you can even get there?
2: Sure. So, I mean, I think everybody in our space looks at, nutrition and training in general purely physical um and i i always say that the physical follows the physiological right so you're not going to create physical change without physiology being super dialed in um and so i love to look at things like biofeedback right i mean we could start with just a simple list of questions how's your sleep how's your energy how's your mood how's your focus how's your sex drive um and, and we can we could start there right mm. And all of a sudden, you know, you're talking to a a male, he's 27, he's got no sex drive. Mm -hmm. Like, clearly that's a problem. You know, that's a sign testosterone levels are probably low. Like, we can't 100% create correlation, but we can draw some clinical correlation and at least go down the rabbit hole of investigating testosterone. Mm. And we all know if testosterone levels are self-adequate, well, good luck losing fat and good luck gaining right. muscle. And right? then you
3: also could too probably assume that he's he may be on the end of not getting very good quality sleep also, because yeah. we know how much that affects that.
2: Or it could just like, you know, let's let's be honest, as a 27-year-old male, if your testosterone levels are, are sub-adequate, you know, or, or sub-optimal, um, something happened, right? Either you've got a pituitary issue, either you were born like hypogonadal, or you did something to, to trigger... Like hypogonadism, right? And, And so now I need to do like a lifestyle investigation. Is there anorexia in your past? Is there depression in your past? Is there overtraining in your past? Is there a lack of sleep? Are you abusing your body? Are you constantly on alcohol and drugs? Like what are the things that you didn't put in your intake that you actually need to tell me so that we can have a real working relationship? Like I'm not here to judge. You want to do drugs? Dope, like do drugs. Like that's on you. I'm not going to recommend it. I don't think it's great. Like... But I need you to want, know it. But I need to fucking know. Right? If I'm going to put together a diet, and it's a like program when you worked with competitors. Yeah. If they were on steroids, you got to fucking know they're on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Like it kind of changes how you prescribe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and,
1: and I, how important are these conversations in in training successful or working with clients successfully? Because I noticed th- you through the people that you coach, the trainers that take your courses, they come out uh, and they place more of an emphasis on communicating these things. Mm-hmm. Than other courses. How important do you think that is versus the, what's your goal? Let's find what your metabolic rate is. Here's your calories. Let's figure out proteins, fats, carbs, what works best for you. How important is the other stuff that you were just talking about?
2: I would say it's probably the most important. I mean, listen, when, when looking at fat loss and muscle gain, the diet itself is most important. Like you can't implement a shitty diet and expect results. You also can't have a perfect diet and not implement it and expect results. Right. And and unfortunately, what I saw, like when I came to the space was there's was a lot of people not getting results, but there was a lot of really intelligent people in the world, like a lot of really good. Like, you know, they they knew biology, they knew metabolism, they knew physiology, they knew strength training, yet their clients still weren't getting results. And so like what you referenced, like the the coaches that go through our stuff, I teach what I call a connection based model and i came in and i was like man like it's, it has nothing to do with the fact that your macros are wrong because when's the last time you actually fucking hit them mm. right and they're like oh it's probably been a week or two because you know stress or i stress ate or i missed my macros or i got caught out and it's like cool so a really good coach doesn't just prescribe macros a really good coach has to understand these things and, and it all goes back to like okay well what's first do we lose fat or do we build muscle well, are you even in the lifestyle position to start losing fat? Mm-hmm. Like do you know what it takes to to get to super low levels of body fat? I think a lot of people underestimate, you know, there's so much sexy marketing right yeah. now around uh, and actually, I, I saw a really good post on on Instagram yesterday. I forget who it was. It was like Jeremy Mullins or something, and he he talked it, like he got this dude who was pretty overweight. I mean, he's at least two sixty two seventy. and he got him shredded to the bone. and he was like, this shit's hard. Like anybody that tells you it's not is completely full of shit. And and I think that a lot of people have to be ready for a journey where there is some sacrifice Mm -hmm. and, and there is,
1: but to get there can take a while. Like I I, I noticed that I'd say probably eight or nine out of 10 clients that i would work with the easier strategy. And when I say easier, I mean that the strategy that was most successful. Okay. The most successful strategy was rather than restricting food was actually add food. Oh, so they'd come see me and I'd say, okay, you're not eating vegetables. Let's have you start eating more vegetables. Okay, your protein intake is low. Don't change anything else about a di- about your diet, but I want you to hit this protein goal. Mm-hmm. And then through that, they would naturally change the other parts of their diet as yeah. well.
2: Well, by proxy, right? Like, what are you doing? You're increasing satiety, and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. they want less of the shit. And so, you know, it makes sense. And that all goes back to you're a good coach, right? Like, you're... You, we could all sit here and like, we're all of the same level of intelligence. And like, we all see the, the industry at like the same way. And we all understand how to build a right, like the right diet and like the proper diet. And we could all come to that same conclusion. But the reason our clients are successful isn't because we came to that conclusion. Mm. It's what you just said. It's, it's, how do you walk them there? Right. I mean, I, I always say, um, in physique transformation, that it's like a Mount Everest analogy, mm. right? The pinnacle of Everest is, is macros. Straight, like it has to be. Sure, quantity matters. The end. Anybody that says otherwise completely full of shit. Right, right. Like that doesn't mean you that I can't get around it. Yeah, you just you can't. Right, like if you're trying to achieve optimal physique transformation, you damn well better have. Like you better know what your quantity of intake is. Mm-hmm. The end. That being said, like when you look at Mount Everest in the real world, like you don't go to the pinnacle of Mount Everest and fucking stay there. And I don't really believe that every single person should be tracking macros the rest of their life or should be like held to that extreme the rest of their life. And so like what happens when you go summit Everest, you get a Sherpa, they lead you up and they also fucking lead you down, right? There's checkpoints on the way up. And when you get there, cool. Like you take your picture, you plant your flag, you do the damn thing, but they're not like, Hey motherfuckers, see you later. Right. (laughs) There's like, there's a way down from this. That's not going to kill you. Hmm. And I think so many coaches are getting people. They're like, well, I'm going to live at the pinnacle. I'm going to just talk about the pinnacle. I'm going to talk about quantity control. And now I'm going to get sexy because the industry is changing. And I'm going to talk about quality too. But I'm still going to live inside this pinnacle.
4: Mm.
2: And what most people need is they need the journey to that pinnacle. They need to experience the pinnacle. And then they also need to experience the journey down. It, and there might be multiple journeys inside of this fat loss and muscle gain kind of like paradigm that we're talking about.
1: And that's it, and that's lifelong. That's You're talking about lifelong success within this rather than short-term, intense? Well, I I think
2: there's an application to short-term too. I think that if, you know, we could use physique competition, but we could use any kind of fat loss. I think that um, I'm a big believer. Every dose of stress requires a dose of recovery. And if you're putting somebody in a prolonged calorie deficit, 10, 12, 18 weeks, that's a large dose of stress. There has to be a large dose of recovery that comes on the back end of that. And so, you know, I talk about a periodized model, that large dose of stress, we could call that season or active pursuit of goals. You have to bring yourself back to a homeostatic balance, right? Like if we did blood work after an 18-week diet, we're going to see suboptimal thyroid function, right? It might be subclinical. It might not be clinically deficient, but we are absolutely going to see a change. We're going to see changes in the HPA axis. So in that post-season phase, we need to bring people back to a homeostatic balance. Now, what are your next set of goals? Right? we can have an off season we can talk about building muscle we can talk about whatever and then whatever that next pursuit is, we can jump into that active pursuit of goals
1: now now what does that look like? you did ten mm-hmm. weeks of of being in a calorie deficit mm-hmm. you want to come out of it you just come
2: out of it I think that there's two really big schools of thought right now and and they're clashing hard oh and, really and i'm not uh I'm not taking sides man because I, I i uh well, a, tell us, I want to hear. I this go too. back to the individual. Well, well you sign. know, there's,
0: there's the reverse <laughs> we'll diets of it. the world, okay. right?
2: Where it's like, Hey, you know, and it's a pretty standard protocol, right? Come out of your diet, add 20 ish percent calories and then add small increments. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, there's the recovery diet crowd where it's like, you know, fuck that. That's too slow. Um, you're spending way too much time suboptimal hormone suboptimal thyroid you need to add a significant amount of calories you need to get over the mental shit of looking in the mirror and and you just need to accept the fact that you're going to add some body fat pretty quickly yeah. and uh, and get it back up now there's some people that are well equipped with that and from physiology I can I can understand Sure that. I can make the case for both people I can, right? Yeah I can, I think it would depend on the person It has that. to depend on the individual and it, that's why I said I'm not going to take sides The right? wrong
1: the wrong person on either side like for example the slow backing out right the wrong person uh, for that would be the person that's obsessed with their body. They're so obsessed with looking a certain right. way, and they're afraid. They're afraid to get out of the super shredded condition. That could be a problem and, in, the, in the reverse diet. And well, I would
3: I would argue that I I chose one way out of a bodybuilding. I would not guide another client the same way I did. How but did that's you because choose? I had the discipline. Because I surged right back. So mm-hmm. I. I gave myself a good solid week of very high calorie yep. post being on being deprived for so long right. because I, I knew I needed it. But I also had the mental awareness and discipline to know what the fuck I was doing and then go switch back down yeah. to a more balanced, closer to where my, car- yeah. my calorie maintenance yeah, currently was. The
1: wrong person to go into the other option, which is the strong recovery, mm-hmm. would be the person that has a tendency to binge, mm. that has a tendency to just go off the rails where it's on or off type of deal. Now, there are studies that show that really, really high amounts of calories post being in a calorie deficit inc- improves or increases your body's ability to store body fat as if your body is trying yes. to capture yep. or improve its ability to capture fat. And you know what's funny in bodybuilding for, this is something that's happened for as long as I can remember, bodybuilders that would diet and bulk, diet and bulk, diet and bulk, they started to come into shows- Softer and softer. Not yes. It was harder and harder to get lean. And it may be because they were adding fat cells. Each yeah, and those- that's what I was going
2: to say. It becomes hyperplasia, mm-hmm. right? Like it's you're no longer just getting bigger fat cells; you're getting more fat cells. Yeah, because of this yo-yo. I remember. Um, do you guys remember Scott Abel? Yeah. Like for, okay, so yeah, Scott yeah. Abel, like one of the he used to say, like you can starve yourself, and like it's one of the worst things you can do. But the single worst thing you can do is yo-yo diet. Mm. He's like that will lead to more long-term disaster. And and when he said it, I didn't understand context. Like I mean, I was young in the game, but I always thought he was pretty ahead of the body like bodybuilding world, with his knowledge. And so I studied a lot of his stuff. And um, as I've really understood more, and like exactly like you were talking about, adding more fat cells, it I always go back to that statement yeah. from him.
1: And if and really, if you want to mimic evolution, yeah, I'm sure humans went through periods of feast and famine, but it wasn't. Famine that was you know twelve weeks and then
2: feast that was twelve weeks. Well, it wasn't famine and then feast for like two days, like extreme (laughs) and then and then sustained. That's it. It
1: was probably like one day of oh we gotta we gotta hunt. Let's eat all this food. So they overfed for a day or two. And they were right back which, down a normal. Which, by
2: the way, when we look at physiology, it's actually a good thing. It works right? great that like, yeah. When Like when we start looking at refeeds or periodic overfeeding or, or periodic diet breaks, mm. that shit actually works. The problem is now so, we live in a
3: world where it's very easy to go find that feast. That's, yes. that's it. And this is the
1: reason why for most clients, I never recommended they come out of a calorie deficit all at once. Yeah. Right. It was mm-hmm. mainly because of the psychological piece. Because you're already in a deficit. You start to come out. Soon as you start eating extra calories, your appetite gets ramped the hell yep. up. You already feel like you've been restricting yourself, so psychologically speaking, you feel like the the chains are off of you, mm. and then you just go overboard, and then it's this heavy boulder going down a hill. It's very very now. Hard where to slow do down. you
4: stand, Jason, on cheat meals? <laughs> like define
2: a cheat meal, right? It, because like a, I have a polyamorous yeah. diet. <laughs> 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 there is no cheating. I don't define it. Yeah. Uh, like I I don't I I think that. The industry connotation of a cheat meal is like, hey, uh, on Sunday night, you're going to go just completely gorge yourself and eat whatever you want. And I just think that's irresponsible to ever tell a client like, hey, there's there's no limitations and and you can do whatever you want. And I think that if you're if you're setting someone else, if you're setting someone up for that, like you're irresponsible with the rest of your approach. Honestly, the emphasis on the cheat meal is is indifferent. It's, It's what you're doing the other six and a half days that completely needs to be changed. Uh, like I'll, I'll reference Scott again, right? He had he had the, a diet called the Cycle Diet, and it was basically starve your ass off for six days, and <laughs> literally eat whatever you want for a day, like. And he would uh, there would be, he had like a forum, and I was like active on it, and he would like have. Uh, like crazy people, like gaining like 18 pounds in a day, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so I did the diet. And uh, like, so you know what it takes to get to like shredded glute status. I yeah. walked around with shredded glutes, <laughs> like day to day, like I was fucking peeled.
0: <laughs> um,
2: I had Just no- Just scratching
1: uh, chairs with I, your I, <laughs> shredded glutes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I had no sex drive and, and it was extru- like the, the emotional part was what fucked me up. Yeah, I didn't care about training anymore. I really had no interest in life. Yeah. All I thought about was like, man, what am I going to eat on
1: Saturday? That's Sunday? just it, man. It's a psychological piece because once, you, when you, when you have an all-out day, and you, you ever observe, of course you have, you've trained, you've worked with tons of clients when you observe somebody who's going through that period of like, like, Oh, it's an all out day. I can eat whatever I want. The binge mentality is not about the food. Actually. Not at all. You're not even, the
4: the behavior of what that promotes. You're not even, you're not even enjoying the food. You're,
2: you're, that's where I'm getting at It's about the
1: food. It's going, it hasn't even gotten your mouth yet. And that's 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 where I was trying
2: to get like, like when you say like define a cheat meal, like do I think that the act of allowing somebody to eat without any sort of mindfulness or restriction is a bad thing inherently? I don't like, I honestly don't think it's the end of the world. Um, in terms of I, I, flexibility but I, I think if somebody's really desiring that you need to take a step back and well, look at like what is the overall protocol that you're giving them that's that's asking for that now are you asking me in a competition prep setting or are you asking me in like real life setting? Cause if it's sure, a cop prep depend. setting, listen, you're the one that decided to get on a stage in very little clothing and yeah. you need to look a certain way. And, and by the way, you're telling the world that I'm the one doing your diet. So no sorry, you're going to be a little bit restricted. <laughs> but if, if you're just here and you're saying, I want to lose some weight and this is a lifelong thing and, and we're genuinely trying to create transformation. And again, I'll reference the 10 years versus 10 weeks. Like if I'm setting you up to where you feel like you need that, mm. I I'm fucking up. Mm-hmm. Not you.
3: Well, mm-hmm. it, it the name itself cheat day implies you're 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 doing something Deviation, wrong. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like it but like to your point, uh do I think that uh having a, sur- a surplus day of calories is no, it's a, actually a great and works, a smart right? thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And I do that with any clients that I have in a caloric deficit, especially when I'm running them on a caloric deficit for weeks at a time. I will insert a, a high calorie day. I'll say, Hey, Friday, you know, because we've been running now for four days in a row of, you know, seventeen hundred calories, I want you to have between twenty-two and twenty five hundred calories. So and I'll give that
2: as a as a goal, you know? I, I think I'm and I'm super neurotic like when I work with clients, and I only work with a handful of clients anymore. I'll literally When they're six to eight weeks out from whatever their peak is, like if it's a a physique show or like, dude, I'm looking at pictures and weight every day, Mm -hmm. and I'm calling these audibles like what you were just describing. Like I'm looking and I'm like, all right, you're a little flat. We can push a little harder. And like, so I'm working with a WWE guy right now, Mm -hmm. and for the first time, I can't say who because what I'm going to tell you, but like for the first time, it looks like he's going to make the main card on WrestleMania, Uh, which is a huge accomplishment for him, right? Cool. I was just going to say Gravedigger, but that's uh, the Undertaker. Monster trucks. The Undertaker. (laughs) I uh, I did work. Taker, his, yes. I did work with his wife this year oh no way Yeah, did really yeah oh, I love that guy um, so but no like so it looks like he's actually Bailey from WWE lives up here uh, uh, and we were gonna connect later today I just started working with her oh well, uh, very cool. cool but uh yeah like I, I mean, but like with him, same deal like as it gets closer, we're looking every day, and I'm mm-hmm. calling that audible right, but it, I mean, that's such a it's such a neurosis, and and so then we got to take a step back, and it's like, all right, what is the personality of this individual that's taking on this endeavor?
1: Well, here, along those lines, um I think this is a good question to ask and we all we know that one thing that all diets that cause you to lose weight have in common is that they're all lower calories uh, than you're burning that's, yes. that's what they all have to be, regardless of the. Now, how, there's, a, there's always been this debate, it's been around for a long time, what's better for fat loss, low carb or low fat? Now, both same calories and all that stuff, ultimately up to the individual. My question is this, how do you determine or how do you help the client determine if they're going to do better with a lower calorie, low fat mm-hmm. diet versus a low, low carb Uh, low calorie diet.
2: So there's a lot to be considered here and I think this is where in my opinion the industry is still fucking up but from a science perspective right, peer-reviewed research it says assuming calories are controlled for properly and assuming proteins controlled for properly the ratio of carbs to fat is indifferent when it comes to fat Doesn't matter. Like like that's what science tells us. On a
1: physiological level doesn't matter. Correct.
2: Now that's assuming and and I have to look at like what the control variables were and assume like there's no adaptations, there's no Mm -hmm. histories. Like I don't know what the training stressor or life stressor was, but, um, that to me is what's overlooked is like, we're, we're looking so myopically at the diet that we're now taking out all the other things that go into building a diet. What is life stress like? What is previous dietary attempts and stressors look like? What is your training stimulus? Um, you know, we could look at just a, a, an everyday person um, and draw two extreme examples. We could have a stay-at-home house mom, very low stress, right? She doesn't even have kids. Stay-at-home wife, and, and she's like, I just get to chill. I get to go run up my husband, or my my husband's credit card, mm-hmm. um, and, and life is fucking gold, right? Zero stress. Um, she would be just fine on a low-carb diet, mm. right? There's, there's no need for that carbohydrate. There's no uh, extreme sympathetic response. She's probably not doing super intense weight training. And, and even if she is, that dose of intensity, that, that sympathetic response that you're going to get, it's really uh, not that it's like negligible in the grand scheme of things. Now, we look at that completely different and we say, okay, that same person is a Fortune 500 CEO. And they go to work every day, and they're in the fucking fire from 6 in the morning until 11 p.m., and they're putting out fires, and they're responsible for all sorts of money, and uh, there's, they're basically living in their sympathetic nervous system all day. Well, I would argue they should be a slightly higher carbohydrate mm-hmm. diet, right? Because what's going to happen, like we know, and, and this goes back to when, uh, I'm going to say the words carb backloading, but like when that whole thing was completely bastardized, right? And, and the whole premise of it was, well, you wake up with elevated cortisol and elevated growth hormone. And so if you don't eat carbohydrates and you don't create an insulin spike, you're going to keep carbohydrates or you're going to keep that cortisol high, Mm -hmm. right? Cortisol is a catabolic hormone. It's non-selective. So it will break down some fat tissue Mm -hmm. in conjunction with muscle tissue. Um, Well, so if you eat your protein, it'll offset that, that muscle breakdown. And now all of a sudden you've got this environment for fat loss. Like that was the premise of it. But if we look at that and we apply it to this like super high, like sympathetic nervous system state, and cortisol is already through the roof, and and now you're not having any carbs to create that insulin spike to potentially shut off that cortisol in the morning, then you walk in an environment, cortisol continues to shoot up all day, then you go in a training environment, you train with an extreme amount of stress, right? And you go like balls to the wall, you fucking do CrossFit or some stupid shit, right? All of a sudden, now you're creating an environment where if you don't have carbohydrates, you are asking, even in an adequate caloric state, to start messing with the HPA axis.
1: Because you don't have... Because carbohydrates will raise insulin a little bit, yep. and that insulin is inversely related or with, with cortisol. Yes. right So insulin goes up, cortisol goes down. Yes. So if you're a high... So what you're saying is you have clients that want to burn body fat. The high-stress ones typically do better with more carbs. The low-stress ones typically do better uh, with low-carb. I, yeah. I,
3: I also think there's value, too, to... Um, Assessing uh, stool, hair, hormones, sure. and then knowing what foods correlate with that the most. Yeah, right, what does that? And what does that come back to though? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It comes so back it's, stress, right, right, and and or, and or knowing that. Okay, I know that this person. Based off of these things that I'm getting from feedback from them, may be deficient. And I know that this is a fat. I need to get more fat in their diet. So, that person, I would definitely not recommend a lower fat, higher carbohydrate diet because of those reasons. So, I think that gets brought into account also, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: And sometimes, too, you know, I've noticed this and I've noticed this with clients. I've also noticed this with myself. When I am stressed, I do tend to crave. More carbohydrates. Sure. Now the problem is when I eat them, I tend to want more of them, um, and so then there's that factor too. Sure. Uh, what are your trigger foods? And yeah, uh, maybe low carb works better for you because carbohydrates
2: make you want to eat. Way, I, way more. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not low carb. Maybe now you're messing with carb timing.
0: Oh, okay. Right? Good and, idea. And so
2: now yeah. maybe now me maybe we're optimizing carb intake. So. If you're 200 grams, you might have to have 50 grams pre-workout, 50 intra, 50 post, and then 50 before bed. So mm-hmm. you don't have right, like you don't have the option. That's why you don't more. have.
1: You're not going to eat a bunch. Right? Of- you're not going
2: to get up in the middle of the night, yeah. and if you do, like that's a whole another set of problems <laughs> yeah, that we yeah, need yeah. to address. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think there's ways to circumvent that, but like when I start looking at the physiological adaptations, because again, I, I believe the physical follows mm-hmm. the physiological, and so if I'm setting you up to physiologically fail then physically we're not going to be able to create what you right. want. Right. Um, and we could use an extreme example too, like a UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. I, like, you know, I, I worked with, like I had three knockouts last year, which was awesome, right? Like three people that I work with. And ultimately, like when they're in there, hydration is going to matter most, like the ability to rehydrate, but the ability to make weight on the scale is eh, that whole industry is fucking it up isn't it insane it's absurd the shit that would come my way isn't the
4: real game trying to be able to maintain like whatever weight that they're at you know going into the the
2: weight or this last so i worked with luke sanders when he knocked out hen and Brow last year right and that was that was a big deal because he had just come off a cut that was our third camp together and right before that he had worked with uh, perfecting athletes who is the ones that like Joanna hates because that's when she got knocked out by Rose. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually Andy Galpin was texting me, uh, as Luke was going through it. Cause I've been friends with him for a long time. He's like, yo, your boy's getting fucked over. Like he's just kind of like, he's hurting like, and, and then the next night he fought and whatever they do in terms of rehydration, it was terrible. Um, because he got clipped with like a looping punch that probably wouldn't have knocked any of us out. And it fucking sent him down. Mm. And the ref yeah. called the fight. And it was a shitty loss for him. He shouldn't have lost that guy. Like, I'm sure that guy's probably lost his contract by now. Luke's way better than that. And uh, like, so we did it. And, and so this last one, it was great, right? Like, we worked with, like, you met Josh Cuthbert. Like, Josh did the strength and conditioning for him. I did the weight. And then perfect, or, uh, Neuroforce One in Scottsdale did some of his conditioning. And it was, it was beautiful. But Neuroforce came to me like three weeks out and they're like, hey, don't you think his weight's a little high? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I need Luke training at the same weight. He's going to be in the cage. Mm-hmm. And like if, if, and he likes to fight at 54, he has to weigh in at 35. And so I keep him as close to like 52 to 54 as I can. And then the last three weeks I'll start bringing him down. But this was the first time I was able to go to his strength coaches and his conditioning people and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to bring his carbohydrates down for two to three days. I need you to back the fuck off the training intensity. Mm. Because if they're ready to put their foot on the gas and I'm ready to pull my foot that's, off that's in terms of fuel, yeah. it's a yeah, really yeah. it's a recipe for disaster. But these fighters, they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. They're they're trained to fucking yeah, run through a brick wall, yeah. right? So all of a sudden, their strength coach is like, more, more, like get in the sweatsuit, like run, run, and it's like, no, like go fucking sleep. Now they
4: took the rehydrating with the IVs. They took out, that out. Right? Thank yeah. God.
2: Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's made weight cutting a little safer. Um, you still just nature of the industry, man, like somebody, you know, gets knocked out of a fight, like two weeks out and they're like, they call someone they're like, Hey, can you make weight? Well, yeah, you can make weight. Like you can suffer it. Mm -hmm. Um, if people saw some of the shit that happens, they'd be blown away. Oh, I've seen I've seen guys lose yeah, twenty I feel pounds for these fires, I've seen, man.
1: I've seen people lose twenty pounds in one day.
2: Yeah, in a sauna. one day, one day. Yeah, no well, way. Dude, we purposefully- bro, You so, would, you so could Luke, probably
1: do it. it. It would kill you, but you, I mean, yeah, you, you could lose twenty it. pounds.
2: Yeah, you could do it easy. Like, so bro, look you are at how,
1: sweating. You're you're not drinking. You're like, pissing. I mean, you're, you're talking to somebody hours who's hours. manipulated weight
3: like crazy and know that I could gain twenty in a day.
2: But the problem with it is, like, a lot of these idiot. People that come into the space that think, oh, weight cutting is super simple. Yeah. They look at like water myopically, yeah, like right. water in, water out, right? Yeah, or or like, not what I'm doing. The Hormonally, long term for this there's, person. Well, yeah, but there's four ways to manipulate water in the mm-hmm. body too. Like you don't have to just go start sweating, right? right? There's four different, like I mean, you there's know, four pathways that I for, use. Yeah. yeah, I use I use total intake. Like I use carbohydrate. I use total water intake. I use electrolytes, and then I use sweat. Yeah. And if you do it right, like this last camp, dude, we cut in 90 minutes. We cut seven pounds the night before the fight in, in, 90, in, thir- minutes. in ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. Mm. Ninety minutes. Wow! Wow! Right? That's great. I mean, the fucking week was. I mean, dude, the stars a lot. But easy. Beautiful. you figure for for every yeah.
3: carbohydrate, your body for every uh, three uh, three grams of carbs, your body it's, holds on
2: to three ounces of water. It's every gram of carbs is two point seven water.
3: Right. Yep. So if you've if you've done if you've actually done a really good job of keeping his water up exactly. high and his carbohydrate intake really good, you I could I used to be able to move my weight like that because I would keep it really good and healthy all the way. So then when I wanted to throttle down that last week, I can make just a few adjustments and make moves like that for sure. So we're starting
2: 10 days out, right? Like we're water loading, we're shutting off aldosterone, we're shutting off ADH, right? Then we're moving carbs, like we pull the carbs out because when aldosterone and ADH are shut off, you're not reabsorbing, right? You're not reabsorbing water. So now you, then you pull the carbs out, right? You pull the carbs out, there's no water reabsorption. So when the carbs are out, uh, any water they were holding moves with it. That's the initial drop, right? Then you still got the super high water. Now we remove the electrolytes, right? So any sodium that was holding the water, now more water's out. Then like last, like the day before, we bring the water out, like aldosterone and ADH are still out. So you're not reabsorbing, but nothing's coming in. So now you're dropping more water. And then finally, because you're fucking hydrated, right? Like your body, like, you know, you're, you still had water coming in. So you still have water to sweat out you'll crack instantly in the sauna. So if you ever watch those guys, like they're they're rubbing sweet sweat everywhere. They can't they can't uh, sweat. they can't crack. And it's because they cut their fucking water 40, 48 to seventy two hours out and it's like you ain't got no fucking water in you to move. Like, like you've sent signals to your body not to sweat for natural survival you know how dangerous that is too man. to go into a sauna yeah, man, and right. not sweat I don't, I don't care how much Abilene you got the shit ain't coming out <laughs> now what does so, that
1: stuff do by the way what is that, that man that I, I wish stuff? I yeah, knew I wish that? I knew the
2: mechanism it can't be good <laughs> I, I know that like
1: you it, rub it on and
3: well, you Well, especially sweating. when you're already, you're sending a conflicting yeah, signal
2: internally girls, to your body saying don't fucking sweat exactly and then you're trying to rub the yeah. shit out. well I mean ask the bikini girls they fucking rub it on their abs like every day and then they they put the, like the little waist trainer oh, on, and they're man. like, "Look how much water." Is came our space? Off. Is, is, is like, Mind
3: pump not helping? Oh, yeah, or are, we, are we not? We <laughs> haven't made. It, <laughs> it's, is, is the space not getting yet. better they're at not,
2: all? They're not listening. Yeah, they're they yeah. yeah. obviously yeah. think you guys are bullshitting or oh, something. My but God. No, space is uh, now been...
1: the, the one macronutrient that seems to be consistent regardless of fat loss or muscle gain is protein. I mean, studies show high protein levels for fat loss diets. It's better for satiety, so you're full. Uh, it, it preserves more muscle. It seems to reduce the metabolic adaptation that happens mm-hmm. when you reduce calories. When you're bulking, high protein builds more muscle. Yeah. Um, are there ever cases where that's not good? Is there ever situations where you're working with clients and you're like, look, I know typically we want high protein, but for you, I think we should probably cut it down.
2: I think I think that you always have a a goal of where you want protein and then you got to look at how life gets in the way. Um, or you got to look at where they're coming from. Like, I'm not going to take someone that comes to me and, and you'd be shocked. Well, maybe you wouldn't be, but like some of the intakes I get, it's 30 grams of protein. Yeah. Like like, whole day. like People are like, they eat 30 that's grams of protein. That's actually
3: way more. Cr- <laughs> we used <laughs> like, to have this hard. debate
2: on Mind Pump a
3: lot because we yeah. talked about the bodybuilding space, which I think is way different mentality than the average consumer. And I, most of my female clients were grossly under any yeah. protein, which oh, yeah. re- this reminds me too of a, Another point that we were talking about being able to burn fat and build muscle and how rare it is. This is another case where sometimes you see this if somebody was grossly under eating protein yep. for a long period of time and just simply by bumping their protein intake and the fact that you're adding weights into their routine, yep. you see this kind of b- bump of muscle. Yeah, and,
2: and I mean, you know, then we could go down that rabbit hole deeper and obviously we're we're living in the game changers time right now where you know veganism and vegetarianism is being really promoted, right? And so so a lot of people are really if they're following that. And, and unfortunately I have seen a lot of people in the space jump on that bandwagon. And, um, I don't, I think it might've been you guys. Like there the one benefit that I think actually came from that was like, at least people are eating plants again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Sal, you said the it, right? like, like there was a, there was a benefit, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like we can sit here and we can all get on our high horse and be like, and we know veganism is not the way, but like, at the end of the day, there's there's more emphasis on people eating quality foods. I don't think it's that bad, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like we look at these people, and it's like, if I could get you to consume fifteen to twenty grams of, of essential aminos, and maybe like five to ten grams of branch chains. With that diet, I bet you'd start to see even in a small calorie deficit. I'm, I think you would start uh, to see some. Lean though, that opposition. is the
1: one population that benefits from branch amino acids yep. and essential amino acid supplement. Exactly. People who are in the low protein uh, exactly. diet uh, community. So if you're a vegan, vegetarian, uh, if your protein intake is not, you know, maybe you know half a gram per pound of body weight at least. That's when you see the benefit. In the it's fact, the that's, only the, that's that the only time that i ever time. really prescribe it. And and studies actually show it. Studies show you give BCAAs to somebody who has low protein intake and they get great
2: results. You give it to a guy with high protein intake, it does nothing. It doesn't it doesn't do shit. It does nothing no. at all. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I anytime I've ever prescribed it before, it's been more on like the performance continuum because there were some studies that came out with like a, like with leucine that showed like a a reduction in rate of perceived exertion and an increase in time to exhaustion and it had nothing to do with muscle. Right. Like mm-hmm. it was never about lean tissue acquisition. It was just like, Hey, there may be a small performance benefit. So like, that's like when I used to dose leucine, um, like via just It's like I never have people do leucine alone, but, um, you know, what your, your question was like on, on the protein intake.
1: Like, yeah. Like, is it ever, do you ever have people taking less? Is it I, maybe I, don't, I don't intentionally.
2: Or- yeah. I mean, if your gut's fucked up, yeah, we're mm-hmm. going to have to back off. Um, also, I mean, if, if I've got somebody that's, and this is a rare population, but really pers- like pursuing um, a lot of muscle gain and they're like, you know, in an extended off season and they've just got a super fast metabolism. Um, I mean, I just, I can't, give a 200 pounder, 600, 700 grams of protein. Now, <laughs> ironically, like I just, like I literally just landed before this podcast. And on the way over here, I was listening to Ben Pack's podcast with uh, Milos. And oh, yeah. and uh, they so were talking Jeff. about Milos's training journals. And Milos was talking about how he never, like he's got it documented in journals, never one day in his competitive career did he consume less than 450 grams of protein. Yeah. And, and he was sitting down with Nasser and, uh and the late and, Nasser yeah the late Nasser right and Nasser was like yeah right you're crazy but he's like if you're doing 450 I better do 550 and and actually like he thought Milos was bullshitting him so Nasser only ended up eating like 250 grams mm-hmm. for like a while and he's like oh Milos telling me all the wrong stuff to screw me over um but yeah I mean I've you know high protein got vilified for a little while and I, it's just the nature of our industry like it, I believe everything is cyclical um you know right now I think you're finally starting to see keto fade a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's finally moving through, there's an understanding around it. So, you know, what are we in 2020? In 2030, it's going to get hot again, mm-hmm. right? It, it'll go away, high carbohydrate diets will get popular. Everyone's going to be like, I can eat my fucking carbs again. Mm-hmm. We uh, also
1: have to look at context cuz a high protein diet in the context of a lot of inflammation and a lot of calories, so yes. let's say an unhealthy diet that's high calorie, high protein could be a, a cancer driver. It 100%. could contribute to other health problems, but so could carbohydrates in the same context or excess fats in the same context. So sometimes I look at studies and I, and I read them and it's like people with high you know, fat intake have this, this, and that, but then you notice that, oh, they're all high calorie consumers and none of them are exercising and they have a poor diet. And well, I could look at any macronutrient under those circumstances.
2: I think you bring up a really good point too in the sense that anytime we bring up a dietary uh, protocol, right? Anytime we talk about proteins, carbs, fats, calories, it, there's automatically this assumption that it applies to body composition, mm-hmm. right? Everybody, like you hear the word diet, you instantly think body composition, mm. body fat loss, muscle gain, and there's a whole continuum of things that we need to be looking at relative to our diets, how we feel, our health status, our, you know, uh, our longevity, like all of these things that, that don't relate to just how you look. Um, and so, you know, in. Like, I I mean, you asked about protein. I Mm -hmm. mean, immediately my assumption went to lean tissue, Mm. right? And and then you bring that up and it's like, no, you're 100% right. Um, You know, somebody that's, that potentially that has cancer or is going through treatments, like, no, I'd probably be backing off, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then you start looking at like the types of of protein inside of a specified situation like that, right? Like there's, you know, most common source of protein, a lot of people, is chicken breast, right? And you start looking at, okay, well, that's predominantly omega-6 fats. So now we're creating a pro-inflammatory effect in someone that's got cancer. And well, that's a pretty shitty way to prescribe to somebody. Sure, sure. Right? So there's a a lot of areas that have to be considered that I just, again, it's a a much deeper investigation.
3: Well, I think somewhere where we, we all strongly agree is no matter what your goal is, whether it's fat loss or muscle building, the first thing... And, and it's probably weeks, maybe months, which that's my question for you is how long you think it normally is. You should be focused mainly on getting healthy yeah. and figuring all mm-hmm. that out yeah. uh, before you go any direction or yeah. try to go any direction, and that should be your main focus. Now, uh, to that point, and we all agree on that, what what do you think is most common uh, and how long do you, do you normally spend with somebody like this from taking them – and I know, of course, this depends yeah. on – you know, how fucked up they were when you got them, you know,
2: but what's kind of a range look like normally. Yeah. I mean, that's, I would love to give you like a a typical range. Unfortunately for a long time, like I was, you know, you guys like like around the time I was talking about it and you guys, there was a couple other people in the industry that were brave enough to actually say this shit. Um, there's a marketing component that comes into this where trainers don't want to go to their clients that are overweight and say, hey, I can't help you lose weight yet mm-hmm. um, because I need to fix you. And, and they're afraid they're going to lose money, right? And new coaches can't afford to lose money. They, they got to they gotta take money. Um, so I, I think it takes a coach that's really secure in who they are and, and really secure in like the big picture of business. First off, right? Like that has to be acknowledged in, in this space. Um, you know, second, uh, a person knows how fucked up they are right? So if it's like, if you really didn't know you were doing shit wrong by being in extreme calorie deficit and you really haven't seen the effects, a lot of times it's pretty quick, man. A couple weeks, four, six weeks max, right? Um, a lot of times there's no adaptation that's even been created. And by actually providing like what you said, Sal, earlier, by providing uh, the right amount of calories, which is an increase in calories, you actually start seeing results. Um, I wrote a blog one time on reverse dieting and I was like, there's three, there's three responses. You you know, you either gain weight because you're adding in calories and you've adapted to low calorie state. Uh, you don't gain weight, but your biofeedback gets better. That's not terrible. Um, or you're like, you're, you're the lucky one that makes your coach look really good. You're a hyper responder and you start losing weight right away. Uh, the law, lo- like that was written two, three years ago. The longer I've been around that, I realize it really comes down to two factors, duration um, and and like the degree of the adaptation. So like how long, have you been in a metabolically adapted state? In that adapted state, and what was the like the degree of what you were doing that got you to that adapted state? Um, and really, those are the two factors that are going to mitigate the the process of of the creating of health status yeah. before we begin a diet. And that goes into the whole like losing fat and building muscle. It's like in an ideal scenario, if you came to me today and you're at ground zero, like we could probably get a significant amount of fat off in twelve weeks. And then we could probably reverse you out pretty quick and then focus on building muscle.
4: I want to get back into like the muscle building component of yeah. this whole conversation and like talk about, so you do bring somebody back to this homeostasis, you, they're in a healthy place, but now like you're, you're taking them through like the bulking phase. Sure. W- what does that look like in terms of the amount of calories, like something, a typical client you have, like trying to guide them through that and whether or not it's, it's, you know, consistently throughout or you're doing it intermittently. Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like?
2: So I think, um, this is again, it has to, you got to look at what is the personality of, of the person. So initially like Adam, when you came out of a competition prep and you're like going in the off season, like you're, you, you're very strong mentally, but the average person they're like, "Oh, it's off season time. I get to fucking eat everything. And like you give them a protocol and and let's say it's a protocol that's like pretty calorically uh, in a surplus. But you also have to know that this person is probably going to have a propensity to eat off that plan. So let's just say you're estimating your daily energy expenditure to be 3,000. You decide to put them in a calorie surplus of 1,000. So you're giving them 4,000. You have to know that inherently this person's probably going to be consuming closer to 5,000, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like adjusted for weekly average intake based on how many times they're going to deviate. Uh, I don't think that's advisable at all. Right, that's a recipe for a lot of fat gain, not a lot of muscle gain. And and remember, your your body has a certain range where it's most efficient. Right, where once you step outside of that, you're you're gaining more fat than you're gaining muscle. Um, so I, I I'm a little bit of a slower approach guy myself. Um, but I'm I, I don't even want to necessarily speak to speed as much as it is sustainability. Like I I don't want if your goal is to build muscle and then you're going to look in the mirror two weeks later and be like, oh my god, I'm fat and now you feel like you want to cut, that's a problem in and of itself. So, you know, I guess the questions I would then turn around and ask are why, why are we building muscle? Right. Is it for a stage? Is it just for life? Is it for strength? Mm-hmm. Like, like what is the purpose? Is, is there a time that like we need to have this muscle built? Say it's just this
4: person that wants to just wants know, to get bigger, right? Like and lean though at
2: the same time. Right. So then we're going to put you in a super small deficit or a super small surplus, which right. by the way, like, like longevity says you should be in a super small deficit, but from a super small surplus and then accounting for life, like I'm talking like 200 to 300 calories. Oh, it's surplus. a real small deficit. Very small surplus, right? Or su- surplus? Yeah, even. very small surplus. But then you factor in life. Mm-hmm. Date night happens. Couple drinks happen. Right. And now look at like the weekly adjusted surplus.
1: But you're you're going in there as a coach knowing that so you're I'm saying, going in there
2: knowing that that's yeah. it's not a prescription based on what's physiologically correct.
1: Now is this something yeah. that you teach your coaches also? Is oh, 100. Hey, oh, so this is part of the this is all part of the conversation. See, well, yeah. this is why we like you guys because yeah. that makes perfect sense because if you don't don't account for what's probably going to happen mm-hmm. then your recommendation plus you know
2: life is going to add up to too big
1: yeah. of a surplus we well,
2: don't get to live in a fantasy world yeah, right yeah, yeah. I, I mean like we can live in the lab all day the lab isn't where life takes place mm-hmm. right like we step out of here and fucking life hits us mm-hmm. and and you never know What's going to happen? Well, that got to be ready to account
3: for. That's it. the problem of the the coaches and trainers and people that 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 purely speak from the the scientific studies mm-hmm. that that are with these small control groups and then that they they get their their direction purely from that. It's like there's so many other things that you have to account for that yeah. have nothing well,
1: to do with that. Part, I mean, part of it's experience, uh, but luckily, again, like you you guys are teaching people the right way. It's like, hey, look. Um, Here's what it says on paper. You want them at a 400 to 500 calorie surplus. But here's what happens in real life. You put them on a 200 calorie surplus because they're going to mess up a few times during the week, which is going to come out to
2: about a 500 calorie surplus. Yeah. When you start creating that weekly adjustment, it it does. And and yeah, it is experience, man. I mean, I, you know, again, like we can't expect the general population to act with the, you know, like the level of, of being strict as like a competitor would, or as somebody of like a lab, right? You can't expect the general population to, to have their actions align with lab controlled settings. Mm-hmm. It just, it's not going to mm-hmm. ever happen. Mm-hmm. Like
1: now, now t- I want to, I want to talk to you about some of the athletes you work with because this yeah. gets real fun. Yeah. Athletes are much more controlled, fun. Yeah. much <laughs> more specific. Everything we ask they have do yeah, I mean, they have to, or they're going to get their butts kicked or whatever um uh, what what have you noticed because you've worked with quite a few Mm -hmm. and some at very very high levels what have you noticed tend to be like better sources of carbs in terms of performance because you can get carbohydrates for example from a lot of different sources but are there sources that you find seem to just work better for most of your your
2: your athletes so here's the crazy part that maybe a lot of people would never have considered the answer is yes there are like and they're they're all whole foods right it's like sweet potatoes white rice or staples Mm -hmm. right like I, i live in those and but that being said, as the season wears on, I get a lot looser in terms of my, like, like what I'll allow for carbs. Oh, so let's strange. use, like, let's use, like, George Kittle, right? He's NFC Championship this weekend. Yeah. At, like, when him and I first talked right before the season, it was, like, I wanted high molecular weight carbs, post-workout. He's an athlete. Like, I understand there's no, like, benefit to muscle in that window. Like, we could... Let's just end that debate, sure, right it's a, count, right? it's a nervous system response. And that's now what what, what is
1: high molecular weight carbohydrates?
2: So like uh, like some like rapidly absorbed carbs, right? They're so your, I'm, like I'm talking about like uh, I, I, I use highly branched cyclic dextrin. okay. and and that's hundred percent a CNS issue, right? like you're you're coming out of a, a sympathetic training session. I'm trying to create that parasympathetic shift and get you into that like, as fast recovery. as possible. It has absolutely nothing to do with the anabolic window. Like, mm. like we could end that, right? So I, before people are like, oh, Jason talked about the anabolic window. No, yeah. I didn't say shit about that.
1: No, what that. you're saying makes perfect sense. And these are these are carbs that just fast gastric emptying yes. absorbed in the system very quickly. Yeah.
2: And especially for a guy like him where he struggles to eat anyway. And most mm-hmm. athletes, you'd be surprised, yeah. struggle to eat enough. Maybe yeah. you wouldn't, right? It's uh, especially like their their needs. We're talking four or 5,000 calories, sometimes more. What is it guy
4: like him, like a pre, uh, like what is he eating like before his main competition?
2: So my advice with somebody like him is three hours out of the competition. I'm getting in like what I, what I say to him is a complete meal, a protein source, a carbohydrate source and like a vegetable and and a fat source. Right. That's what I want. Everything. Right. Um, now I don't want like extreme hunger going in, but I want a little bit of hunger. Right. And so Uh,
1: now why do you want a little bit of hunger going into the game? So
2: when, when hunger starts to rise, it's a physiological signal that cortisol is starting to rise, right? I want that slight cortisol elevation. Why? It triggers sympathetic nervous system. It gives you energy. I want that fight or flight. Right. And then this goes back to the whole dietary, like nutritional periodization. I know 100% that I'm intentionally leveraging cortisol in a season Mm -hmm. that shouldn't happen in like real life, real health scenario. Totally You don't want that. Right, but I fucking want it. Like mm-hmm. you're playing in the Super Bowl, I want you on a cortisol drip. Yeah. I want every ounce of nervous system strength and physical strength that you have for those three hours that you're playing the damn game. Yeah. I like because you, now you I got it. now I got three months <laughs> a Super Bowl. to like. <laughs> Yeah, he is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. they're going to destroy Green Bay. Yeah, so again, I you know, I agree. I'm, bet, I'm betting that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think it's close. <laughs> so, so why why do you get looser? with? So I get looser because quantity becomes even more important, uh, right? So we've done such a good job in the off season of making sure that you're at that homeostatic balance, that you're in a position to perform early in the mm-hmm. season. But let's be honest, athletes are a little lazy. Right. Like when it comes to nutrition, mm-hmm. they're, they'll fucking train their asses oh, off. They'll play their ass off. Yeah. And they think that they can get by without maximizing this. And so towards the end, it's like, Hey, you need a bowl of cereal at night. Like go ahead and have three. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you need, you know, you need some carbs Magic in the morning. Like you need to throw some honey in there. <laughs> and yeah. like, you need to throw like a little extra sugar in there. Like go do what you got to do. Awesome. And so as, as it gets on, like it's, it's, it's not health. Right. Infl- inflammation's is already happening like like those things are already present. Of course, we want to control them But they're doing a lot of physical recovery modalities My whole goal at that point is is uh, performance and recovery nothing else I don't give a fuck about your body fat levels. I don't give a fuck about your biomarkers Like I don't give a shit about that and that's what people don't understand Like when i'm in season and i'm working with an athlete whether it's a, an nfl player on the field a ufc fighter in the cage Whatever your sport is you paid me at the beginning to make and sure that you perform your best, yeah. the end. You didn't tell me you want to get on the podium with abs, yeah. right? Yeah. You paid me to win. And, and that's what we do. Now, afterwards, it's my obligation to say to you, hey, uh, we made some health sacrifices along the way. We need to get healthy. So that next year we can do this shit again. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So you
1: said so sweet potatoes, white rice. You notice seem to be very, very good. Those are my sorcery. staples, man. Funny because they're easy and to digest. And honestly,
2: like steel cut oats in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I love cream of rice. Honestly, like I, I like oat bran and cream of rice mm-hmm. a little bit better. Um, what about grits? I I mean I'll use them in a dietary thing. Okay. And uh, or like That's in a dietary something. protocol, but I I. Not a fan of grits uh, myself. So so,
1: so the, and and I I worked with clients and some athletes and I find it just easier to, to, to digest. Sure. That makes them better sources. What about sources of protein? Now bodybuilders for a long time. Have been have said how red meat is phenomenal uh, source of protein, especially in the off season, because on a gram for gram basis they still get more strength gains. I think it has to do with the creatine content of red meat Mm -hmm. or the cholesterol. Yeah, have you noticed any any differences between protein sources for athletes?
2: When we when we start looking at the old school like bodybuilders that said like they get more strength from red meat, I think calorie for calorie an ounce of red meat is just higher Mm. right and and back in the day like how were diets set up well in the beginning of the diet you eat more red meat you eat more carbohydrate and then over the course of the diet will you remove carbs from meal five or you switch your red meats to white meats or you you switch your white meats to white that's how they got their right like that's that's how they did it they they dropped their calories yeah that's how they dropped calories Mm. so i i really think it was just a a calorie for calorie thing or a, a fat like a gram of fat per gram of fat thing um I'm definitely a big fan of red meat. I mean, honestly, like when you start looking at the ratio of fats, the the fats in red meat are healthier. Mm -hmm. Um, We see less inflammation from red meat, uh, better amino acid profile from red meat. Um, and, and again, when we're looking at caloric density of a person who doesn't like to eat a lot, I, I'd love to use red meat.
1: Do you ever use uh, organ meats with your with your athletes? I,
2: I don't only because and, and not because the, it wouldn't work and it, and it wouldn't be a great source of protein. But I'm also talking to people who either are hiring a chef or who are literally like, what is the minimal amount of time I can spend getting mm. my shit together yeah. and they're not like, going to want to eat liver they don't all, they don't get now <laughs> they want I worked with uh I worked with Solomon Hill who uh I don't fucking know what team he's playing for now but I worked with him when he was with the Pelicans and uh he had a chef and his chef would be like tell me exactly like what's going to be best and, and I'll put it together now he happened to be vegan but um so like we were always you know we were always trying to like circumvent that but, yeah, that's cool um yeah every now and then uh actually do you guys know Dan Henry the internet marketer Mm-mm. Mm-mm. um he's a he's a big time internet marketer guy he just reached out to me last week and he's like i'll hire a chef and you tell that chef like the best possible thing that's he's cool. like all i want to be is jacked and ripped and i'm like cool dude <laughs> like, like we can do client. it yeah. so yeah no and yeah. like and he's got the money to be able to do it so that's great uh yeah so like we just that's fun. last fun no. yeah like i that's like, i love things right like right because like, then you could
3: use it as an i get really
2: excited yeah. on on ones like that but you know it's i don't know how you guys feel about this like you know as, as you guys sort of you were in the industry, like in the trenches for like a long time. Now you kinda of get to observe the industry. Every now and then I, I really get this itch to like to get back in the industry and to like to do it with like a small number of people.
3: Well, I think that we all do that. I I've got I've got two people I'm talking to yeah. that are family yeah. friends. I always train one client. It's I just,
2: just reopened a coaching funnel yeah. to to take on like yeah. twenty to thirty clients, like yeah. max. Now I, I do I do everything holes. through I do everything through text message. Yeah. Right? Like so I work super closely with my people so like you know if you work with me you're getting 100% of me but yeah. I uh, yeah like I, I just I get these itch every Well it now reminds to, to for me too it. it's about because I do
3: I nothing I love more than doing what we do now I mean I just I love the podcast and what it what it does but I, I getting to train clients reminds me of the questions they ask, yes. and so that just makes better content here. Just it's oh, like it's your pulse on the industry. It keeps
1: you. It keeps you grounded. Yeah. You know, the, the, if if I'm not working with people or working out in gyms or managing gyms or working with trainers, or I, I start to feel like I float off the ground, and you know, I'm speaking on this podcast out to the internet. Um, it's not the same thing. I think it's an important thing that you, you should do, especially if you're communicating it.
2: Well, and, I mean, how do you know what the industry trends are? I mean, you yeah. could read the media, but like, how do you know how clients are responding, how they're experiencing it, mm-hmm. how they're, you know, how it's affecting them? Because again, uh, you know, we go back to like the scientific studies and, and the academia world. And I, I love how you came out and you were like, you had issues with like the academia oh, world. Yeah. And like I, I actually, that <laughs> so was like that shit. shit. And I know you got so much shit for that, but like I loved when you came out because you're one of the, like you're one of the most intelligent. Actually, like you came to the event and everyone's like Sal is really wise. Like that was the word everyone used for you, right? But like it's you're true. Like, like you owl. you you can interpret scientific studies and extrapolate what you need, but you're also able to look at real life and say, okay, like we don't live in a fucking incubator. Mm-hmm. Like we don't live in a lab. Like we we live in this beautiful thing called a world where great things take place that are not always in line with scientific studies, and uh, you know. I think you have to have the scientific knowledge. You have to know what's happening. But more importantly, you got to understand the human being that you're yeah. trying to help, man. Like at the end of the day, uh, we, we could talk about any topic and I'm going to still try and bring it back to the human being because the, I don't know, millions of people will download this episode of the podcast. But each one is going to be in a car, in the gym. They have their, hair, their, their headphones on on a plane. Right. And they're one person. And they're listening to it with one application and they're living their unique life and their unique circumstances and they want their unique result. And if you don't know how to take all this information in your head and you don't know how to apply it to that situation or you can't help them apply it to that situation, like you as a coach, you suck. Yeah.
1: Like well, bottom line, well, you look, suck. You, you, if you go back, you know, 100 years and you asked scientists then and you said, hey, you know, what do you think would happen if all of us all of a sudden had access to all of recorded human history? It would have said, Oh, it would have been a utopia. All of our problems would have been solved. Well, here we are, and the problems are still here. Yeah. And so, and what we're realizing is it's not an information problem, it's a wisdom problem. And being able to communicate fitness and nutrition and health um, is extremely important. And nine out of ten times it's not your ability to recite factual information. Nine out of ten times being able to relate. And be able to communicate the right information and communicate it the right way. And that took me 10 years. It took me 10 years as a personal trainer to figure out. It took me a long time. Well, and I knew these guys echo the same yep. thing.
2: Oh, well, it's funny. I had a conversation with a girl. Um, one of my like my uh the, the guy that does my email blast, he sent one out yesterday and it was like, Hey, like, what do you want to know from me? And and all these people responded, and this one girl was like, I need to know how to get clients and do this, and and I like I wrote her back and I told her about like how we help businesses, and I'm like, I'd be happy to get on a call and help you out. She's like, yeah, like I just like I just invested in this other like mentorship, which is all information. And I'm like and the, there's this these coaches like, like, listen, everyone needs a certification. Everyone needs to get certified and have their shit. Right. The problem with you helping people isn't because you don't know enough. Either you're not confident enough in yourself or you haven't figured out how to connect with the person, mm-hmm. understand what they truly need. And, and those are things that you have to get in the trenches for and and you have to learn to live and you got to start looking at human beings and stop trying to look for like cases. And, and that's where, um, that's where I just, that's the separation between great coaches and and good coaches. It's
1: it's a difference. That's why we, that's why we chose to work with you. There's a lot of nutritional courses and certifications out there. Um, but they, uh, for us, they would leave, they would, you know, they would leave us, Thinking like this is just not this is not really giving people coaches the tools that they really need to be successful, and I think you guys focus on that. Uh, yeah, it, it make it a priority.
2: That's a, I mean, uh, I, I shared with you guys how the whole thing came to be, right? How I built the Nutritional Coaching Institute. Mm. So I was I was at an event in uh, Southern California. It was a it was a mastermind and uh, fuck your mastermind by the way, right? Like <laughs> I got to get you guys to like wear those shirts. Out that. I, I gave those guys. I should have worn today. I, I, know, I thought them. about wearing mine here and I yeah. was like, ah, that's going to look weird going through the airport. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So it's, uh, I was at an event and uh, this really well-known internet marketer was like, dude, like you, you're helping so many people, but like your it's, it's your method. That's, that's really good. Right. It's not just you. And uh, he's like, you need to, you need to build a certification. And, I was like, I'm like, it's the nutrition industry. Everyone knows who the gold standard nutrition certification is. I'm like, I can't compete with them. And, and, uh, he's like, no, like you have something special. You need to find it and you need to do it. And he was like adamant and it's somebody I really respected. And I was like, okay, so I, I got my car and I was driving from SoCal at the time I was living in Arizona and I got halfway home and it hit me like, it was like a ton of bricks hit me right in the face. And I was like, it's like, you're really good at connection and application. And, like, everything got so clear in that instant. I drove the rest of the way home, left my shit in my car, ran to my desk, opened up a journal, wrote out the whole outline of what the course was. It was, like, part one, science, all the topics, part two, application, all the topics, and I never deviated. Like, that was the shit we put in version one of the course, and, like, that's the shit that we continue to teach. And, like, I knew right then that's why I was successful. That's why we had built what we had built, but also how literally millions of people hmm. can become successful with it. and uh, How many coaches have you guys certified? Man, we've put over 3,000 through at this point. Good um, for you. And we're, right. we'll be three years old in July. Um, wow, that's great. Yeah, so we, uh, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty young in the space, but I think that you're starting. My favorite part is we're getting a lot of people from our competitor, um, and they're coming and they're saying, you filled in the gap. And that was exactly what we aimed to do. Right. Like, like we like you said, people finish a certification and they, they feel like they don't have exactly what they need. And we said, no, like we're going to give you what you need to go out. And, um, well, you know, our, our models evolved. Right. Like in the beginning, it was like I, I had a level one course. And then I'm like, cool, like if you want, you can take these other courses. Now I look at what we do a little more as a trade school. Right. If you don't need to go to, to college and, and pay for extra science degree and and you certainly don't need to become an RD. Right. But you don't need to be 50, 60, $70,000 in debt right? We have, we have an Institute. It is designed to take you from zero knowledge to like scaling a business because we do have a business course as well. Right? Like, I'm sorry, coaches out there. If you don't understand business, you're not going to have impact. Oh my in gosh. World.
1: You could have, you could be the best trainer coach exactly. in the world. But if you don't understand how to, how to run your business, you're screwed.
2: So, so we have all those, man. It's literally designed to take you from, from that startup to, to ultimately scaling your business. And, uh, Man, like we've got some dope stories, like, uh, I'm doing a webinar tonight, and like one of the testimonials I use. She sat in the very first cert ever in Chicago, and her second year, like so last year was the second year that we were live. She made a quarter million dollars it's as awesome. a coach. Wow. She had no awesome. fucking traditional knowledge.
1: Wow, good for her. That's exceptional
2: it was it was unreal, man. And like those are the stories that just get me super but, hyped. And
1: what do you think about? Uh, I know some some countries are talking about regulating coaches and trainers yep. through the government. And I know there's been some talk about that here in the U.S., uh, which I think would be a complete disaster. That's my own opinion. What do you think about that? What do you think about a federal kind of nationalized standards for coaches
2: and trainers? I mean, I guess we kind of have one in the RD sense. Like you can't write a diet unless sure. you're an RD. Um, yet I've had RDs come through my course and say they learned more in 48 hours about really helping people than they did in four years of an internship. Mm. Um, I, I think it would give a lot – it would – there's obviously benefits to it, and I understand why. But in typical like bureaucratic fashion, they're gonna <laughs> fuck disaster. up. Like they're gonna fuck up the application, <laughs> totally. right? And they're gonna end up hurting a lot more people than they are helping yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so I, I I don't welcome it. That being said, I mean, if we're looking at it, you know, do you really need to be certified to give advice? <laughs> and at the end of the day, as a coach, we can't put a gun to a client's head. Uh, we're just giving our best advice, right, right, right? right? As coaches, we're becoming advocates for our clients and, and we're looking out for their best interests and, and laying out what we believe to be the best route to success. At the end of the day, they have to follow it. Very cool. and, and I don't think that the government is ever going to be able to regulate that. Good, so. good,
1: good. <laughs> now, you, you're, you're hooking up our, our listeners yes. special yes. right now with this yeah. episode. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. So, what are they getting? What are they getting? This is not our normal NCI. No. Logo. So,
2: so what we've done before for your listeners is we've done, you know, we did a scholarship. We selected somebody. We gave away all of our courses, which is a ten thousand dollars value, um, and we've given away some of our master classes, mm-hmm. which are six hundred dollars a piece. Uh, but I wanted to do something special, man. Like you know. I, I came here like two years ago and, and I was early in like the evolution of my career and you, like you guys supported me and like, you know, I'm, I'm still fortunate enough to like text you guys. You just came to the event and like, that's super cool. and means more to me than you guys know. And so now I want to pay that forward to the millions of people that listen to you guys. And so, um, like I said, all of our courses, if, if somebody wants to do the Institute, it's a $10,000 investment, um, I, I'm just gonna wipe 70 percent for your followers and your listeners. Wow! And so I I don't want to misquote the link, so I won't say it, but I'll let you guys put it in the show notes because okay. um, I need to check with my team. But it's literally there's one link you have to go. Like if you go to my normal site ncicertifications.com, everything's full price on there. Um, but if you guys go through the Mind Pump link, which you guys can post, we'll do it in um, the intro. I think. All right, yeah, do it in the intro. That'd be dope. But if you guys go through that link, there's a video. You just simply, you know, you apply. You tell me like, hey, I, I heard this on Mind Pump. Um, within a day, my team will reach out to you and instantly give you 70% off and uh, they'll do a payment plan. Like they'll work with you, like we treat it like college. Like if you need to pay it over time, pay it over time. Like we really believe that this is the key to if you want to create help and, and you really want to increase your knowledge but really have that application to actually go out and create impact. Like we say impact over everything. Um, if you really want to go out and have that impact, man, like we know we have the resources. And so I'm super humbled to to do that for you guys.
1: Excellent. Thank awesome. you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for
0: coming on the show, brother. Dude, absolutely
2: appreciate you guys having Thank me here today. Always oh, a great time.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB super bundle at mindpumpmedia.com.